Is there more than one way to God? We're going to answer that question as we go through. Because I'm going to be talking about the difference between Christianity and other religions. Many people think there is more than one way to God and try all sorts of things to find out how to get there. Now in my last message, Escape from New Age Deception, I explored the practices and the treatments medical treatments, alternative medicine, that many Christian teachers have exposed as being inspired by a spirit of witchcraft or divination. And I recommend that if you really want to get an understanding of what's behind astrology, horoscopes, homeopathy, iridology, and all sorts of what's called New Age practices, then you get hold of a book called The New Age, The Old Lie in a New Package by Selwyn Stevens. And you can get that from jubileeresources.org. The message before that, I spoke on unmasking the cults and counterfeit Christianity. And this explored the so-called churches and religious beliefs that deny the very basic tenets of the Christian Bible. And in most cases added a whole lot of demonically inspired rules, regulations, and outright heresy by false prophets. Now you can find out more about that of course, um, Selma Stevens, Unmasking Mormonism, is a brilliant book. Again, available at Jubilee Resources. Unmasking the Watchtower. And you can hear those messages on Real Wide Community Church website under the Sermons 3 page or download from wildsideministries.podbean. Dot com. But today, I want to look at the more older established religions in the world and pose the question, is there more, one, is there more than one way to God? Now, there are an, a number of old and not so old religions today including Baha'i, Buddhism, Christianity, Confucianism, Hinduism, Islam, Jainism, Judaism, Shinto, Sikhism, Taoism, Zoroastrianism. That's a beauty, eh? And if you want to know more about religions, then you can just Google any of the religions to find out what they are. But I recommend that you put in the words from a Christian perspective. Otherwise, you can get sucked into all sorts of 
strange things. But a Christian perspective, I think, gives Christians wisdom when they're studying other religions, and I think we should have a broad understanding. Just a couple of weeks ago on the net, there was a brand new article put up on www.christiancourier.com. It was an article by Wayne Jackson, and it was called Christianity and World Religions. It's an excellent article, and it gives you a, a broad overview of all the different religions from a Christian perspective. And I'm only going to touch on things lightly here to tease you today in the hope that you'll do some homework. In that article, just in the introduction, he said, there was a time when most Christians had little need for information concerning the concepts of Eastern philosophies and religions. But that day is past. In our modern era of global travel, the internet, round-the-world communication, the saying that East is the East and West is the East and West is the West and never the twain shall meet is obsolete. We have all sorts of religions and beliefs pumping down on us day and night. Another article I looked at on the web is called Connecting with the Divine by Marilyn Adamson. And it's on a site called everystudent.com. Excellent analysis of the different religions and the perspective of Christianity. And she covers the major world religions and their beliefs. And that's what I'm going to talk about to do today in God. Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, Christianity, and New Age. Why have I put New Age in there? Because New Age is the latest modern religion that has swept the world in the past few years. So I'm going to drastically summarise your article now for the sake of time, and you can look it up yourself and get more information. First religion I'm going to talk about is Hinduism. Most Hindus worship one being of ultimate oneness. If you can understand that sentence, it's called Brahman. He's called, well, it's called Brahman. B R A H M A N. And you can reach Brahman through infinite represent, representations of gods and goddesses. These various manifestations of gods and goddesses become incarnate within idols, temples, gurus, rivers, animals, etc. Someone estimated there are over 7,000 so-called gods in Hinduism. And another source I said, read said 330 million. The picture you're looking at at the moment here is Ganesh depicted with the elephant's head on a human body. And in the Hindu tradition, he is the son of Lord Siva and the goddess Parvati. Hindus believe that in this present 
life or their present life was determined by their actions in a previous life. For instance, Craig, he might have been a pirate in the previous century. And so now, all sorts of things happened to Craig because he was a pirate. Do you believe that? <laughs> I don't believe that. Hinduism therefore provides a, a possible explanation for suffering and evil in this life. If a person's behaviour before was evil, they might justify experience tremendous hardship in this life. Pain, disease, poverty or a disaster like a flood is deserved by that person because of their own evil actions in the previous life. A Hindu's goal, therefore, in seeking different gods is to become free from the law of karma. To be free from continuous reincarnations. Only the soul matters which will one day be free of the cycle of rebirths and be at rest. So Hindus believe that Generation after generation after generation is reincarnated and one day Brahman will heal everything and they'll all come back to one life. That's their belief. The current religion of New Age believes we ourselves are God. And we covered this in last month's message. However... In the Western world, the New Age has become a major religion. New Age promotes the, the development of the person's own power or divinity. When referring to God, a person involved in New Age practices is not talking about a transcendent, personal God who created the universe, but is referring to a higher consciousness within themselves. A person in New Age would see themselves as God, the cosmos, the universe. In fact, everything that a person sees, hears, feels or imagines is considered to be divine. So you could be involved in um, astrology, and goddess worship, channeling, shamanism, which is witchcraft. And all of those things, and believe that you are bringing out the God that was in you. That's who God is. God is you. You are God. New Age teaches a wide array of Eastern mysticism and spiritual, metaphysical, and psychic techniques, such as breathing exercises, chanting, drumming, meditating, to develop an altered consciousness and one's own divinity. Yoga is... New Age. Eastern mysticism. Buddhism. Buddhists don't worship any god. Or any gods or plural. People outside of Buddhism often think that Buddhists worship the Buddha. However, the Buddha, who was a person, Siddhartha, 
S-I-D-D-H-A-R-T-H-A, Gautama, Gautama, J-A-U-T-A-M-A, he never claimed to be divine. But rather, he is viewed by Buddhists as, being, as having attained what they are also striving to attain, which is spiritual enlightenment. And with it, freedom from the continuous cycle of life and death. You've all seen the little fat Buddhas in some people's houses or out on some people's lawns or out in some people's gardens. Beyond my comprehension that people who aren't deliberately worshipping Eastern gods would have a little Buddha in their house or on their property. Why do I say that? Here's a story that might interest you. Bill Sabritsky was up in Dargville or Kaitai, I'm not quite sure which town it was, and he conducts Christian healing meetings. And a lady came forward to him and said, Bill, would you pray for me? My family is always sick. One of the kids has got the flu, or they've got the measles, or they've got asthma, or they've got this, or they've got that, year after year, month after month. Bill hesitated for a moment while he was waiting to hear from the Lord, and he heard the Lord say, they have an idol in their household. They need to get rid of it, and they will be healed. So Bill shared that with her. She wrote us a letter a few months later. She went back, searched the house, and couldn't find anything. So I thought, well, that was a bit of a strange thing, and the family remained sick. But when it came to springtime, they did a big spring clean. And in the back of a cupboard was a little golden Buddha that Aunt Flo had brought back from her trip to Fiji. They took it out, got a hammer, and smashed it, got rid of it. She said, my story is that from that very day, sickness left our household. And we are a really healthy family, just the opposite of what we used to be. Buddhists follow a list of religious principles and, and very dedicated meditation. When a Buddhist meditates, it is not the same as praying or focusing on a god. It is more of a self-discipline. Through practice meditation, a person may reach nirvana, paradise, the blowing out of the flame of desire. Now, I want to say that Hindus and Muslims and Buddhists and people who follow other religions, most of them or many of them are beautiful people. And they are honestly seeking the right way to find God or to find paradise. And we, who are Christians, who believe that we have all the answers, need to love them and share the, the love that we have for God with them.
Islam. They're devoted to one transcendent God. Muslims believe that there is one almighty God named Allah who is infinitely superior to and transcendent from humankind. Allah is viewed as the creator of the universe and the source of all good and all evil. Everything that happens is Allah's will. He is a powerful and strict judge who will be merciful towards followers depending on the sufficiency of their life's good works and religious devotion. A follower's relationship with Allah is as a servant to Allah. Here are hundreds of thousands at Mecca worshipping Allah. Now, though a Muslim honours several prophets, including Jesus, who they say is not the Son of God, he was just a man, Muhammad is considered the last prophet. And his words and lifestyle are that person's authority. To be a Muslim, one has to follow five religious duties. One, repeat a creed about Allah and Muhammad. Two, recite certain prayers in Arabic five times a day. Three, give to the needy. That's good. Four, one month each year fast from food, drink, sex, and smoking from sunrise to sunset. Five, pilgrimage once in one's lifetime to worship at a shrine in Mecca. At death, based on one's faithfulness to these duties, a Muslim hopes to enter paradise. If not, they will be eternally punished in hell. There There are some Muslims that believe that it is their duty to kill Christians and to kill Jews. And if they blow themselves up in the process, they will immediately go to paradise where they will be given 70 virgins to play with. If you could ever believe that. I must concern I must admit I am a little bit concerned about Tony. Tony? Because you see, he's got a very Arabian looking beard at the moment. But I don't think he's a closet Muslim. I think that he is a lover of Jesus. Christianity, and compared to those religions that we've been talking about, believe in a loving God who has revealed himself to us and can be known in a personal way in this life. Now, don't have to wait to go to heaven. With Jesus Christ, the person's focus is not on religious rituals, or performing good works, but on, but on enjoying a relationship with God and growing to know him better. Faith in Jesus Christ himself, not just in his teachings, 
is how the Christian experiences joy and meaningful life. In his life on earth, Jesus did not identify himself as a prophet pointing to God or as a teacher of enlightenment. Rather, Jesus claimed to be God in human form. He performed miracles, forgave people of their sin, and said that anyone who believed in him would have eternal life. He made statements like, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now the world's major religions, Hinduism, New Age, Buddhism, Islam, and followers of Jesus Christ, are each quite unique. And of these, only one affirms that there is a personal loving God who can be known now in this life. Jesus Christ spoke of a God who welcomes us into a relationship with him and comes alongside as a comforter, counsellor and powerful God who loves us. In the news a few days ago, it said that Muslims in Egypt were stunned by the Coptic Christians whose churches had just been burnt down and they had lost many people because the terrorist ISIS side of Muslims had just slaughtered them. And they went on TV and they were interviewed on TV and they said that they forgave those people that had just burnt all their loved ones. And the announcer could hardly speak as he interviewed them. He said, how can you do that? How can you forgive? Well, it's because Jesus Christ has forgiven them. But in the religion of Islam, there is no forgiveness. They have no understanding of what forgiveness means. And that is also in many other religions. No understanding of forgiving people because they haven't been forgiven. You know, if you'd like to know a, a, broad, of, a, broad, a broad view of what Christians believe and what the Bible teaches, then I recommend that you get hold of a little booklet called Answers to New Christian Questions by Brian Johnson. Answers to New Christian Questions by Brian Johnson. And it's available from Christian Bookstores in New Zealand, or you can get it from AP, that's A for Apple, P for Peter, discipleshiptrust.org.nz. Now, Brian, whom I know, conducts seminars in New Zealand called the Ex-Cultural Workshop, and he specialises in befriending Muslim, Muslims and sharing with them the love of God. And he teaches Christians how to share with Muslim folk, because in Auckland and south of Northland, there are a lot of Muslims. And he teaches how to share the love of God with them. Now, one of the questions, as I was reading through this, 
that Brian poses in this excellent booklet is, why do so many people in the world believe in so many gods? And of course, I agree with Brian that the Bible answers this very clearly. In Romans 1, 19-25, the Bible says that they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks, and they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshipping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshipped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful thing their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each, with each other's bodies. There are many people who have taken up Eastern religions and those people have no problem with homosexuality, which God forbids. Fornication, adultery, orgies. Because if you don't believe in a living God that says those things are wrong, then you can do anything you like. Isn't God's word so true? They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who was worthy of eternal praise. So way back... A long time ago, God said that those who will not follow him, I'll just let them do whatever they want to do. And that's why people worship other gods. You know, most other religions have made symbols or images of their gods. Yet the God of the Bible says in Exodus 24 to 6, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens, or on the earth, or in the sea. You must not bow down to them, or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children into the third and the fourth generations of those who reject me. But I, this is God, lavish, unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commandments. Now the Bible then teaches that God offered himself in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, to come onto earth, to live as a human, be crucified on the cross, 
and bear the penalty for our sin. And then by the power of the Holy Spirit, he was raised from the dead. And he offered salvation and eternity with him to all who believe and follow Jesus. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So the question I posed at the title of this message, Is There More Than One Way to God?, was answered by Jesus himself. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The answer to that question, is there more than one way to God, is no. Jesus also said in John 3, 3, Believe me, a man cannot even see the kingdom of God without being born again. And being born again means inviting Christ into your heart, into your life, where he dwells in your spirit. You become born again. And unless that happens, you cannot even see the kingdom of God you can chant until the cows come home. Nothing will happen. Paul the Apostle says in Romans 10.9, But if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You don't have to chant, bang your head on a wall, bow down and worship demonic idols to get to know God or look within you for month on end, year on end, trying to find God inside of you. All you have to do is to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that he is who he said he was and who he said he is and believe in your, God, in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Now let's pray. And if you believe that Jesus was in fact the Son of God, say this prayer with me. And if you are listening via the podcast, bow your head now to Jesus and say these words. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your precious Son, Jesus, to earth to die for my sins, and to be resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit, to give me a hope for eternity. I now repent of my sin and invite you, Jesus, into my heart and to be the Lord of my life. God bless you. Craig, would you like to...